You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Indavo here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. I am joined today in studio by what will be a familiar voice to a lot of you because he, he did host for a while. Adam Bird's in studio with me. How are you doing, Adam? Good morning. Good morning. Fine. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's our first time uh, hosting together, but I'm sure it'll be a, a great show. Really forward, we're going to be talking today a lot about uh, college football, obviously the University of Louisville has a very important game tonight against the uh, against the Houston Cougars. Uh, I'm really excited about this game from a fan perspective because, you know, we hear all the time about how good Louisville's defense is, but they've never really played an offense that is this dynamic. And so we're going to really find out how good they are. And uh, it'll be interesting to me, you know, I, I feel like uh, it, it's a good matchup for Louisville because it's a passing offense against a, a pass uh focused defense but it's going to be real interesting from that standpoint to see how Louisville's defense steps up to the plate because let's be honest Louisville football has not played up to the standard that the Louisville fans have expected the entire season the Louisville basketball team on the other hand is playing to that standard they came out last night and they just absolutely demolished a a Cornell team and and it didn't matter who they were playing they were going to be playing to their level the entire game was pretty impressive. I don't know if you got to see any of that. I did. I turned it on and it was twenty to two, and I had to do a double take. I couldn't believe it, but and it didn't really, it didn't let up from then on. So well, I, I think, mean. yeah, because I think uh, Cornell had like eighteen points at one point in the second <laughs> half. I mean, that was it was crazy. Yeah, that that was a, a career low, I think, for Rick Pitino teams for to hold uh, opponents two and a half. So I, I mean, how could it not be? But it's pretty impressive. So uh, and then of course Kentucky's got a football game here starting at twelve twenty Eastern time, eleven twenty Central time down in Nashville. It's going to be an early morning down there in, uh, in Nashville. They uh, take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Vanderbilt needs this win to become bowl eligible. Uh, I, I would love to get a token. I'm a Kentucky fan, as you are, Adam. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have just one more victory just to kind of separate the records from last year and this year. Although, as we've said on this show several times, a 2-10 and season this year feels a lot different than the 2-10 and last year. But we still would like to have that one more win. And I guess there's still the unlikely chance that we could get revenge on Vandy for the 44 to nothing bloodletting that I sat through the entire game last year. In you were there. Year. Gosh, that, that was an all-time low for the program. So, yeah, just, just from that standpoint, a win today would be, mean so much. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah, like you said, I'm a Kentucky fan, but I, I'm not expecting a win today, but hoping for one. So I, I'm not really expecting one either, but, you know, I guess you just kind of cross your fingers and kind of hope <laughs> right. that something happens. And, uh, you know, I – as a Kentucky fan, I think the one thing that I've seen is they've come out of the gate pretty well. Even against Missouri last week, yeah. uh, they came out and got the stop, uh, had a really good drive that, that unfortunately ended in a field goal, um, and they were playing all really well up until um, they had the one mistake. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, was it the the special teams? The the block the block punt definitely hurt them, but they had like a snowball effect of like. Three or four bad events in a row just kind of took them out of that Missouri game and they never recovered. You know, I, I see that the first string of Kentucky can pretty much play with their opponent. But the depth just, just so thin. You're oh, right. The depth just yeah. shows its ugly face and uh then it's it's really bad after that. So but uh Kentucky football uh today, twelve twenty against the Vanderbilt Commodores, um who has they have themselves have a very Strong offense, and so the Stoops Troops defense is going to definitely have to show up for that one. Uh, and the, uh, we had Louisville basketball action last night, Kentucky basketball action 
tomorrow in the grudge match against Robert Morris, although Coach Cal wants us to tell us that there's no revenge factor there whatsoever, and I don't believe there is. I mean, he's scheduling that school mainly because that's his hometown school that he grew up real close to, and he wants to help mm-hmm. that program out. But sure. I'm really excited to get the Cats back out there after Tuesday's loss against Michigan State, which I want to talk about for a while, too. Mm-hmm. I, as a Kentucky fan, I think you end up getting a lot more out of that loss than you ever could have gotten out of the win. That's Yeah, I hear a lot of people say that, and I don't disagree with it. Um, Obviously, we want to win. Of course, yeah. For them to play as poorly as they did and still have a chance to win, I, I think that speaks volumes for, for the personnel that they have this year and just the, the toughness that the kids have. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the Harrison twins were the big losers um, for the day as far as stock and, and future, everything that goes. Um, I'm not as worried about them as I, as I hear some people are, though. I mean, they... They didn't show any toughness on Tuesday, that's for sure, but I, I still think that it's in there, and, and they know what, what happened on Tuesday, and I, I think we're going to see a different different um, outcome from the Harrison Twins moving forward. Um, well, even on the Harrison Twins' point, down the stretch when they needed to get a couple important baskets, they were right there to they were, yeah. to catalyze, you know, get some baskets. Now, they're not the quickest guys. And I You're think, right. I think the, it's a, for them it's a bigger adjustment than most kids – because they are so used to just being playing off just the two of them and then the other people around them being kind of quiet contributors that they don't really have to worry about getting them involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, I, yeah, and think of them in the high school level. I mean, they're 6'5". I mean, they, they can bully people on the college level. Imagine what they were doing in high school. So the, the learning curve is probably even more steep for them. Yeah, um, I mean, I saw them play. I actually saw... The Twins played Dominique Hawkins uh, oh, at the really? County Hoop Fest last year. When he, he had a really good game, didn't he? He had like 27 points against them. <laughs> Gosh, and, that shouldn't happen. But at the same time, you got 6'5", uh, you know, Andrew Harrison basically just backing down. He doesn't have to be quicker. He's just got to be stronger. Exactly, and he, he lulls is. in his sleep, yeah. gets one step move, and they got that great shooting touch, and they, and they uh, can score to that effect. But learning to play well with others is definitely, I think, what the Harrison Twins are going to have to work on. Uh, but Andrew still came away with 11 points. Aaron just didn't shoot very well. And that's, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the norm. I just think that was kind of the exception. He didn't have a great shooting night. Uh, the thing I guess I, we got to worry about is they combined for five assists and six turnovers in that game. And that's got to be a better output. It absolutely does. And that, that, that goes back to the learning curve going from the high school level to major. I mean, they played the, most, the best, most experienced veteran team in the country. And, and so that's to be expected. I, I don't think that's going to be – a major issue moving forward um, as they get kind of their feet under them and more accustomed to the college game. Something, Mike, that I'm surprised we haven't heard more of. Um, Gary Harris had that unbelievable first half. We, um, the Harrisons couldn't stop him. They tried Dominic Dominic, Hopkins. He Dominic did a good did job. Stop him. He yeah, did. He, he did. Um, but I then, thought, actually, I want to <clears throat> to that point. Sure. This really hadn't been talked about. And I'm listen, Dominic Hawkins is a Derby Classic guy, so I'm a little partial. I was, I was with him in the gym when he committed to Kentucky. Well, and, he has that toughness. He is – I thought he came in in the middle of the first half and played like – he played like six, seven minutes maybe. Total he played – well, they've only got him down for six minutes total, but I felt like he played a longer stretch than that in the first half. It was crucial half. minutes, so it seemed he like longer. He came in, and I thought he picked the entire team's defense intensity up after getting punched in the face mm-hmm. and kind of really got them on track defensively. So – uh he was, you know, actually getting back on transition defense, <laughs> yeah. which is a nice pleasant, touch, yeah. you know. And uh, but you know, doesn't show up in the stat line besides this one personal foul. 
But I really felt like he went out there and just like totally got us on track defensively. Well, yeah, Gary Harris was on pace to have 25, 30 first-half points. And Dominique, for that five-minute span, whatever he came in, he, I mean, he shut him down. The toughness, and Gary Harris couldn't drive by him because he's quick. So, I mean, that, that was great. That was one of the few bright spots in the first half for the Wildcats, the other being James Young scoring. Which was crucial. They had to have him. I mm-hmm. mean, Exactly. And, and that's kind of the point that I was getting at the second half. We, I mean, Gary Harris was going off on the Harrison twins, so we put James Young on him, and his scoring went down. Are you concerned with your defensive stopper being your best perimeter scorer? Uh, I, I mean, because we didn't get any scoring from him in the second half, not compared to what we did in the first, but his defense was outstanding too. So At the same time, though, his touches were way down because they it, were. it was going to – I mean, Julius Randle made just <laughs> unbelievable adjustments. I mean, uh, you saw a guy who – in the first half, was trying to do all the stuff he could get away with in high school that and in the first couple stuff. games. And he's like, okay, this is – he mid-game said, all right, this is not working. And he adjusted. For a freshman, his first – yeah. That is the more most impressive thing about that game than any kind of move that he made. The fact that he could realize, I can't do this, but I can do this. And made that – I mean – You're exactly right. Most freshmen come in with one or two go-to moves, and if you stop those, you can forget about it. <laughs> For the Julius, better part of the season. Yeah. Julius was able to catch, figure out, A, if he was getting guarded by Brandon Dawson, who is probably one of the top three def, uh, def, perimeter defensive players out there, and strong – it might be one of the few perimeter defenders that's exactly. strong enough to guard uh, Julius Randle. He reminds me of Poitras a little bit. Same body type, same – it might be a little bit more athletic, but he's he's well. I mean, he's a little bit shorter than Poitras, but mm-hmm. I think he's he's a better player. Yeah, and then I agree. Uh, and then you had and then you got sometimes where uh, Randall. So he was able to know if he was playing against uh, Brandon Dawson, what he could do against him, or was he getting guarded by Adrian Payne, and what he had to do against Adrian Payne, and he just totally adjusted. And I know, and he got those guys in foul trouble, and we had the ticky tack foul calls that whole night. I mean, it was. Uh, uh, I don't think Dakari Johnson appreciated it very much, and I was getting kind of tired of the Dakari Johnson Julius Randall reactions because I feel like they knew this was coming. But I agree. Um, but when you think Michigan State, you think they're always going to be well prepared. They're going to be tough as nails, and they're going to be one of the best defense and rebounding teams mm-hmm. in the country. And we took a young team and just annihilated them on the boards. What we out rebound them by twelve forty four to thirty two. Oh, gosh. Okay. And as a coach, I think you go back and, and you look at, like, uh, I, I like to, I don't like to look at overall defense of rebound numbers. I like to see, okay, every time we shot the ball, how many offensive rebounds did we get and how many defensive rebounds did they get? Kentucky, 18 offensive rebounds to Michigan State's 22 defensive rebounds. Gosh. So that might almost every shot's almost a 50 50 ball. That's why the, we were in the game for. Uh, the other statistics being so in Michigan State's favor. Exactly. You get more possessions that way. And then mm-hmm. controlling the boards on the other side, 26 defensive rebounds for Kentucky, 10 offensive rebounds for Michigan State. So that discrepancy right there, just you take away extra position, possessions for Michigan State, but you're giving your, your team more possessions. Uh, you know, uh, when, when I was coaching, I wanted to see the defensive rebounding percentage should be over 60%. And the offensive rebounding percentage should be over forty percent, and that's kind of what the gauge was for us. So, but I, I just interesting. I just really thought that the Kentucky, I, the the intrinsics getting punched in the mouth down ten 0 right away, 
chipping away at that lead, coming back, coming back. Even though they fell back, they never gave up. Um, even though they turned the ball over 17 times as opposed to Michigan State seven times, I just really felt that for a young team, you saw a team totally grow up on Tuesday night. I agree. And, I mean, poor Robert Morris, right? We'll see tomorrow. Um, I, I look for him to come out good. The the game that I'm I'm – looking forward to is the Baylor game. Uh, people don't really talk about that. You know, we heard a lot about the Michigan State and the Louisville game, but people are kind of overlooking this Baylor game. And I mean, that's a huge, huge matchup. And Baylor, are they ranked? I think they're... They were they were right on the cusp. And yeah. I, think they, uh, I think they might be ranked in one poll and not in another, actually, is what, what it is. Okay. I pulled up. I'm, I'm curious to see if they come out and take care of business in that game or if it's, it's real close. Or if we go down there and lose, then I think people... You can start to worry, but um, that, that's going to be the next big report card for me. And anyway. I and I and I'm, I'm with you, and I just want to see. And this is what's really hard for a young team to do. I don't want to see us play down to the level of our competition. I want right. I want to see us play Kentucky brand basketball, uh, whatever that's going to be this year. Uh, right. And I'm not sure it's a dribble drive to be honest with you. I think they're going to end up playing more sets. I, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, Julius Randle. I mean, the thought was he could create his own shot, and he can, but, I mean, we saw he can't be stopped on the block, so he just can't be. You have to foul him or let him score. And, of course, right before that Baylor game, they got to go back up to the Barclays Center and play Providence, which is also going to be a really interesting game because that Providence team has got a lot of athletic talent, but they do not maybe uh, always put it together. But they definitely athletically could probably give Kentucky a good match. So we're going to have a great show. We're going to talk college football. We're going to talk college basketball. National Signing Day was uh, this weekend, too, so we're going to have a 10 o'clock hour. we got Evan Daniels joining us to talk about some of the recruiting that's going on around here. Interesting interview we're going to have at 940 with Scott Snyder, the father of Quentin Snyder, and I think he's going to give us an inside awesome. look of like what it's been like for them the last two years. And, uh, and a lot of people just feel like these kids are kind of put on a pedestal and they've got it easy, but the pressures that's on them and trying to make the right decision for them, and they have obviously been on a roller coaster ride so we'll get those insights from Scott. As always, we want you guys to join in the conversation. You can call in on the uh, Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450, Oxmoor Ford Service, next to the Oxmoor Mall, now with extended service hours, 7 a.m. until 9 p.m., Monday through Friday, and 8 a.m. until 4 on Saturdays. And uh, we're going to have, I just feel like, a, a, a really great show. So stay tuned with us and uh, join the conversation. We'll be right back. I'ma be the upgraded new. I'ma be the advanced brother with soul. I'ma be worldwide, international. I'ma be in Rio, rockin' Tokyo. I'ma be brilliant. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back. We are here at the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Ndolfo, Adam Bird, talking about the week that was and the weekend that is and, and most of the local sports around here. And we uh, focus a lot on the college sports because that's pretty much where it is for us. I do need to mention uh, real quick that we are uh, very pleased to have a show sponsor, Jay Lawrence, personal injury attorney, and you can call him at 502-587-0041. And uh, if you need a personal injury attorney, he's one of the best around. So give him a call and maybe he can help you out. Also, I need to mention that you can uh, download our app and listen to the Sports Buzz in crystal clear quality. Search 1450, the Sports Buzz, and iTunes App Store, or the Android Market. Powered by Insuramax, call Chad or Alan Hennessy at 
4085 for all your home, auto, and life needs. We mentioned right before the break that we were uh, going to be talking a little bit about basketball recruiting today, and that's something, obviously, that I'm being involved with the Derby Classic that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, get to go, and I get to see a lot of these guys and interact with them. And uh, It's been a very strange recruiting year, and I don't know if it's mainly because a lot of this has happened with the guys around here locally, but I can never remember a time where we've had so many guys commit and decommit um, to different schools. And then, of course, we get the, two, the situation that never happens with two of our guys. <clears throat> James Blackman actually decommits from Indiana and then recommits Indiana. Usually if you decommit from a school, you are not That's going back. That's done, exactly, yeah. And then Quinn Snyder does the exact same thing, except he had to just put an extra step in there. Decommits from Louisville, commits to Illinois. And then something happens, and the same thing happened with Blackman. Looked like all the way up to the last hour, Blackman was going to Kentucky, and mm-hmm. then something happened and flipped the switch over to Indiana. Illinois expected Quentin Snyder to sign his uh, his papers on that first day, and then when he didn't, you know, there was obviously that something was kind of up, and then Quentin ends up uh, going back to the Louisville Cardinals, which is good for this town. I think his hometown is great. Yeah. So. Uh, it's really strange to have all those decommits, Jaquan Lyle, Trey Lyle, all those guys that have committed at one time that have kind of reopened. Even the guy up in Indianapolis, Trevon Blewett, who was going to UCLA, is now committed to Xavier. Um, very strange from that front. Also very strange, you and I were just talking at the break, only six of the top 100 guys are left. I mean, this this recruiting year is pretty much done. There's not a whole lot of guys waiting for the spring signing period. Uh, a couple top ten guys, Miles Turner and uh, Rashad Vaughn, and you could actually even throw Justice Winslow in there. He's probably more like eleven or twelve. It's very strange to see this many these many guys committed, and then we're not seeing the uh, overall impact, I guess, of the Kentucky effect, right? In yeah. this recruiting class, certainly not like we're used to. No, I mean, as a Kentucky fan, are you dis- are you disappointed with having the second best recruiting class in the nation? And of course, that's what Evan Daniels ranks them as. Today, after the signing day is over, disappointed with the with the number two class is is a little much. But um, with what this class has to offer, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think Kentucky's done a good job. I mean, you got point guard coming in, shooting guard coming in, center and power forward, um, which we were talking about in the break. Two of those guys are one and done quality. Whether they end up being one and done is yet to be seen. Um, the point guard and shooting guard are, are not one and done quality. So. <sighs> Disappointed, I don't know. Um, I think missing on Stanley Johnson yesterday really hurt Kentucky. Um, that was a guy that they kind of needed to get, um, especially with all the holes that are going to be and I don't left from this know, year's team. I don't even know how much they were ever really in contention for Stanley Johnson. I, which blows my mind. It seems like they gave him everything that they – their best pitch, and it just never really hit with him. No. So, uh, I mean, West Coast kids, sometimes we know Shabazz Muhammad, uh, Aaron Gordon, it's hard to get them away from the West Coast. But I, I thought Kentucky. I, I couldn't believe it. Didn't seem like there was a lot of interest there from day one. So, and of course we got uh, Cal. Cal has got four guys signed. Said he's going to pick up two more. Not really sure where those other two guys come from. I, I really don't see them. It's going to be. I can't wait to actually ask Evan that question to figure out where those two guys come from. Exactly. Um, we got the Exum kid from Australia who projected a top five pick right now in this year's draft and he doesn't have to go to high school um why he would go to college i don't know um he i guess he's an option outside option shot in the dark um which is what they need 
he's, he would be perfect. He would be a game changer for this class. Yeah, I mean, they need to get a – I mean, listen, they're going to be – they've got two guys coming in that are going to be front-court players um, next year. They're going to have some of these front-court guys coming back. Lee. Lee will come back. Lee will definitely be back. Derek Willis Derek will Willis, definitely be back. Definitely. Uh, Dakari is a toss-up at this point, but – yeah. Probably will be back, Probably, I yeah. Uh, I, you know, Alex at this point could go, depending on what kind of right. Alex shows up, you never know. If Alex – who knows if Alex is coming back or not. The front court's fine. Mm-hmm. You're probably losing five backcourt players, more than likely. You've got two guys graduating who don't play a whole lot anyway with Polson and and John Hood. Right. And you more than likely are going to lose at least one twin, probably two. What's, what's your take on that? You think if one goes, they're both going to go, even if one's ready, one's not? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think right now you ask them that question, they'll probably say, oh, yeah, one goes. They're not going to play on the same team, so it doesn't really matter. They need to look at it, what's best for – me as a player and what you know I agree on the situation I agree I just think twins it can be a little funny sometimes because if one doesn't go then he kind of admits that the other one is better which I mean it's not really for him to admit I I just think different factors kind of play into that than it normally would uh so it's gonna be real interesting to see you know what happens there James Young I would have to think is out the door yes Uh, um so you got five guys. Three of them are, uh, you know, starters. I guess if that's how you want to put it. And then you've only got two guys coming in, and none of them are like uh, super dynamic players. Devin Booker is a very nice shooter, scoring option. Got some size. Got some size, but he's, you know, he's probably a three-year college guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ulysses is probably a four-year college guy. Right. So, um, and, and I think that those guys will be great. Kentucky Wildcats, I, I really wrong. do. I'm yeah. great with the Tyler Ulysses Dominic Hall. Me too. Card front. Absolutely. I mean, especially since that's going to be like where it's at for a couple of years. I mean, I'm sure Cal will try to recruit over those guys, but I'm I'm great with that. You, you ensure you never have a, a last year, right? That never happens again if you have those guys. I'm a, I'm concerned with having the outside shooting presence and, and, and the de- the defense. Who we can't guard at the two and the three right now. No, right. I mean, I. And so having who comes in and, and takes those st- spots is just really um, it's really going to be interesting to see, A, if he's able to pull in two more guys and who those two guys are with six, like we said, six guys left in the scout.com top 100. Um, so it's going to – and I don't see any of those guys actually being a viable option for Kentucky. Are we in the top three for any of them? No. Uh, Justice we- Winslow has taken five – <laughs> five visits already and Kentucky wasn't one of them was he I, I mean another you're talking about the weirdness that is this class the, the package deals is another weird was he the one who was supposed to be rumored to be packaged with Stanley Johnson uh I don't they're I don't both know. the same position but yeah. I, I thought I heard them saying that but I don't know I, and I don't know where they would have uh connected like that you know I mean I, the one that was strong was the one that happened yesterday which I don't know why they took so long to commit everybody I think from in June knew the Okafer and uh, Tyus Jones were going to be going to Duke. It right. was not a surprise at all. Um, you know, Cliff Alexander, I guess, was still a little bit more of a toss-up, and then I think he made some fans yesterday. Did you see I was going to ask you, yeah, that his announcement. that <laughs> when, If you're in the state of Illinois, don't, oh my gosh. <laughs> don't joke by picking up the Illinois hat. For, for Yeah, for the listeners who, who aren't familiar, um, top, what was he, six recruit? Yeah. Anywhere from three top. to six. Yeah. yeah. He um, was down to Illinois, Kansas, Memphis, and um, uh, DePaul. 
um, everyone knew it was a Illinois Kansas race, and at his in inner city Chicago at his announcement, he picked up the Illinois hat, dropped it, and then put on the Kansas hat. So uh, as you can imagine, people were not very happy with that. No, there were some expletives from the crowd. I'm <laughs> I'm sure, and uh, it it was not I don't know, not a good situation. Now on the flip side, where Kentucky looks like they could be very front court heavy, Louisville is in danger of being very backcourt heavy. Mm-hmm. So they've got they do have two front court players coming in. Both of the guys would be uh, Jalen Johnson can probably step in and play right away. Uh, he's a body, yeah. He's he's ready physically. Yes, and Shinani Onawaku, and that's how I think you say his name, <laughs> um, can probably come in and play some role. But they're going to be more than likely losing Montrez and Shane. And although I'm not so sure Montrez is NBA ready as people think, I think Montrez is a great college basketball player. But Montrez has got to be able to show a little bit more touch from 10, 10 to 15 feet. Exactly what I was talking about with, with a coworker the other day. He's saying Montrez can definitely be a top 10 pick. And potential, I, I guess he could potentially be, but his how does his game translate to the NBA? I think he's a late first-round pick. Power forwards in the NBA, I mean, you look at Anthony Davis, Marcus Aldridge, you you have to be able to step out and hit score outside the paint. And right now he just doesn't have that to his game. He can dunk. Great intensity, great defense. His wingspan is phenomenal. He's 6'9 and can't shoot the ball. No, don't get me wrong. This is a guy that I would love to have on Kentucky's team. No question. I wish Kentucky had gone after him last year. I was saying that from day one. He's no a, question. He is an unbelievable college basketball He's player. a winner. He's strong. Yeah. He is undersized for his position in the NBA, mm-hmm. and he does not necessarily have the. Uh, he's not even that great of a rebounder. Really? I mean, he needs to be a better. He needs to be better at hitting the glass, and I just, uh, you know, to maybe end up being like we've talked in the past, a Chuck Hayes with a better motor kind of player. I mean, that's. But Chuck Hayes took the time and actually developed a little bit of an outside shot. Right. Uh, so they're going to lose those guys. They're going to have Mango Mathieu, who it looks like he could be. A very, I mean, I'm sure it's an unfair comparison, but he is a more athletic version of Gorgie Zhang. The block he had last night, I don't know if you saw it. I didn't game. see that. Oh. He, The guy was on a fast break, and Mango, when the guy was jumping to go uh, to, to lay it in or dunk it or whatever, Mango was probably a step inside the free throw line. And he got there? Took one step and didn't just block. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> disgusting. And if you can't haven't seen that, you need to find a highlight of Mango's block last night. And then uh, – you know, he looks like he can develop into a player, but still, there's a lot of questions in that Louisville front court, and they've got Quentin Snyder and Shaquan Aaron coming in to, to add to what's going to be another amazing backcourt for the Cardinals. Yeah, Anton Gill, Teddy Rozier. I, I mean, they're, yeah, they're going to be very, very deep. Chris Jones will be back. Um, it, I think that it's kind of like that now for the Kentucky and Louisville rosters. Kentucky is probably the deepest uh, front court in the country and Louisville's the deepest backcourt in the country right now. And I mean, we saw with, with the absence, you know, of, of Shane Bahannon that Louisville really isn't that deep down low. So, uh, um, did that have anything to do? Of course, that was the other big news of the week. We haven't really talked about Shane Bahannon being right. reinstated. Do you think that had anything to do with Shane being reinstated? Or do you think he literally had his 30 days of being a complete and total angel going to bed at 10 o'clock and getting up at 6 AM and not missing a <laughs> class. And he's done such a good job. Of you know, he missed up two days, but he did thirty days straight. Now I, I kind of do the math from when the announcement was and when we heard he messed up those two days. It doesn't really add up to thirty <laughs> days for me. But, but, 
Uh, there's no way that it, it had nothing to do with it. Uh, I mean, if we're being honest here, I, I certainly am, am biased. I'm a Kentucky fan and love to you know point fingers and at, at Rick Pitino and all his nonsense. But, I mean, Shane's a great player. They needed they already thin front court. That's why he's back already. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I, I think it's got it. I mean, with Carolina looming next week. Yeah, exactly. Did you uh, see their game last night, by the way? I did not. Man, the Holy Cross gave them a scare. Did they? Uh, it was four minutes ago. It was like a three-point game. Huh. Well, I mean, and of course, <clears throat> Michigan State got the scare yesterday from Columbia. Exactly. I saw that, too. So yeah. They had a little hangover effect, I think, from the Cats game. So, uh, yeah, I think the Shane situation definitely had, had to have something to do with the fact that they were going into <laughs> – the uh, the toughest part of their non conference, and uh, they needed to have him back. They, they're not a national championship contender without Shane. Agree. They're still a great team, but they need him to be out there. Indiana recruiting wise, signed three guys: uh, James Blackman, of course, pulling them out of uh, from Cal's hands, which I'm sure made Tom Crean have a creepy little smile on his face. <laughs> and they got another shooting guard from uh, the same AAU program as Troy Williams, who plays there now, uh, Robert Johnson. And uh, who's a lesser-known shooting guard, but uh, I think can come in and be a great player for them. And then he goes out and pulls like a, an unranked three-star, uh, Max Holtzel, who played plays high school basketball with a guy named Goodluck Okanoba, who I'm assuming if you follow college basketball career, you're very familiar with. Because Goodluck was uh, rumored to be a Kentucky, a Louisville, and an Indiana kind of potential guy that ends up committing and signing with UNLV. So. Uh, but he plays at the Wilbraham and Munson Academy. Uh, they play together in the front card. Good luck's the center. Max is the power forward. So uh, Indiana, I guess, in the and and recruiting. Good luck. Saw Max. Tom Crean liked him, and uh, they were able to to get them all locked up. So well, anyway, that's uh, we're going to continue our basketball recruiting talk on the other side of the break. Uh, we will have. Quentin Snyder's father, Scott Snyder, in on the line, and uh, it should be a great interview. And we will be right back on the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the weekend sports bus. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Ndapo here with Adam Bird, KentuckySports.co. Make sure you go check that website out for any of your uh, great website sports action here locally. They do a great job of uh, reporting on the local stories. Also, tune in to Ion 21 at 11 p.m. on Sunday night for Sunday Sports Buzz. Join host Greg Brom for your first chance to recap all the weekend sports action. And I'm sure they're going to be talking a little basketball recruiting on that show, and we want to continue our basketball recruiting talk. And uh, we got a guy on the line who I'm uh, probably really happy to say that I've gotten to know really well over the last year, and I would even consider him one of my friends. And uh, they've been through quite a roller coaster ride. Scott Snyder, the father of Louisville commit Quentin Snyder. How's it going, Scott? Pretty. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize – kind of what the last two years have been like for you and Quentin and your family. Just kind of give us an overview of uh, what it's like when you have to make these kind of decisions for what's best for your kid. 
when it first when it first happened, you know, when Quentin first started playing with Ellis Miles, he was probably ranked around 70th or 80th. You know, a lot of people really weren't really talking about him that much, but he started playing with Ellis, taking the game a lot more seriously, working out a lot more, and he worked himself all the way up to about the top 30, top 40 player at the time. And, uh, you know, that summer is when he played with the Magic and they kind of, you know, kind of got on the map and beat some big-time teams on the circuit. And Coach Patino and the staff, he came and started watching him and, at the end of the summer, they had him and D'Angelo over for a visit, and they offered both of them. Well, you know, for us, it was a no-brainer. I mean, you know, I grew up a Cards fan. My parents are Cards fans. My wife's family are all Cards fans. Quentin was a Cards fan. So when the offer came, he committed the very next day. And this is, uh, just to kind of give a time frame, this is like between Quentin's sophomore and junior year, is that correct, or was it his freshman year? No, this was, this was after his freshman year. Going after his freshman year, that's right, year. yes. Yeah. So, you know, he committed the very next day, and uh, – you know, at that point, you know, everything's good. You're going through the process. You know, you're excited to play for your hometown team. Then you get then you get to your senior year, you know, at the, you know, right before your senior year. The last, you know, you're at the end of your AAU circuit, and everybody's going on visits, and, you know, you're looking at Louisville's backcourt. It changed a little bit. Terry, you know, requalified and became one year ahead of Quentin instead of two. You know, I know Terry was, Terry was kind of was going to be the heir apparent to, to Siva before they brought Chris Jones in. So, you know, then Terry didn't qualify. He was one year ahead of Q instead of two. And then Jones came in also, and then, you know, Anton and Kevin's there, and you kind of look, and it's kind of crowded. And, and it's not so much like there's a lot of people saying he was scared of competition. Quinn's never been scared of competition. He has his best games against the best competition. So what it was was you look at him like, okay, well, you know, even all these guys are really good guards. Where are the minutes at? You know, where are the minutes at? So he's still a big-time Cardinal fan, but he also wants to play. I mean, he wants to get out there and play. So he also never went through the process. So I think what happened – was a combination of things, a combination of it got crowded at U of L, and I think he wanted to actually go, you know, go look at some other schools. So maybe there's a, is there a better fit? So he goes out, he does it. We you know we visit UCLA, we visit Illinois, we talk to tons of coaches, everything. He narrows it down to you know UCLA and Illinois. The thing about Illinois we liked was the way they taught, they were using the way you know Gross showed us how he used the ball screens, and their staff was just awesome. He really. He really fell, fell in love with their staff. They were great guys. I can't say anything, you know, negative about them. So then, you know, you're sitting there, it's time to come. And then, well, then the, uh, the letter of intent comes. And when that comes, it's kind of like, okay, now this is it. Once you sign, it's done. There's no looking back. And at the time, he just, he still had Louisville in his heart. And that's kind of how it all sort of came about. So I reached out to Coach, uh, to Coach Keats on Tuesday. He got us in contact with Coach Patino, I think, Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday night. I can't remember. And we talked to him, and they let us know that there was still, you know, the door was still open for him. And that's kind of how everything, you know, went about the past two years. So, so it was you all reaching out to Louisville, and not Louisville kind of trying to change your mind last minute. No, we reached out to Louisville on Tuesday. Okay, all right. That's a. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I just I was, that was going to be kind of my next question. Tell me about you know how the the last week uh, kind of came about, and and you kind of answered that. So, um, Quentin. Again, this had when Quentin decommitted from Louisville had nothing bad to do with Louisville, and when Quentin decommitted from Illinois, I know you guys were really in favor of what Illinois is doing and and really respect what they've got going on there. Uh, when he decommitted from Louisville, did he Say it again. when he decommitted from Louisville the first time and back in the summer? Okay, did he get? Uh, was he was there a lot of negative negativity pushed towards him from the fans? Not really. I mean, when he decommitted, he had a brief conversation with Coach Patino, and then Coach Keats called us both right afterwards, and we talked to him. So with the coaching staff, there was never any animosity. There was never any bad words or anything between it. We just everybody kind of went their mutual ways. That's why I feel like that's why 
called Coach Keith, we still had a good relationship. It wasn't like everybody was mad at each other when it happened. Right. Sure. Okay. Everybody was disappointed it didn't work out. As far as the fans, 90% of the fans, I think, I think at first it shocked everybody, you know. And then, you know, you had a few fans that had something negative to say. Not that bad, but for the most part, 90% of them, you know, were still saying they were going to support QT as a hometown kid, and they wanted to watch his career and tell him good luck, and most of them, you know, kind of understood, you know, what what was going on. So, Gotcha. Right. Mr. Snyder, um, Adam here. Um, thank you for coming on, and congratulations on, on the Louisville commitment, um, first you. off. Yes, sir. Um, secondly, I, I was – on the Illinois front, um, kind of curious. W- w- when he went there, Cliff Alexander was still thought to be going there, um, and that's kind of a monster class, you know, Quentin and Cliff Alexander Laurent going Black to Illinois. Taylor too. Exactly, yeah. So that that was part of a monster class. How much um, did Cliff going to Kansas affect uh, Quentin wanting to come back to Louisville at all, or was that a big factor? Did they talk? Yeah. No, I didn't matter at all. I mean. Thing about Cliff is, no matter where Cliff goes, he's going to be there one year. He's going to go pro. You're right. Yeah. And, and, and him and Leron Black play the same position. They may have played them together and played Cliff at the five. Mm-hmm. Him and Leron are both four. So I mean, Leron would have still been there for you know three or maybe four years. Telling you know, if Leron ends up going pro earlier or whatnot. But I mean, that didn't have any factor. I don't think. I think Cliff. You know, Cliff and Quentin are friends because they've known each other for a while, played against each other, they've been to camps together. But Cliff's decision had nothing to do with Quentin's. We had no idea where Cliff was going. Okay. When Cliff made his decision, I mean. You know, I think Cliff was down to Illinois, DePaul, and I believe Kansas, and I can't remember who else. But they, uh, but you know, Cliff's decision had no bearing on what Quentin was going to do. What about the opposite? What about LaRon? Uh, when LaRon committed to Illinois, did that have anything to do with it? I mean, uh, Quentin and LaRon played AAU basketball for the majority of the summer against each other. I'm sure they got to know each other a little bit that way too. Did did that have anything to do with it? Was there a relationship there? No, not really. I mean, one thing one thing people don't understand is these kids, they, they've been playing against each other since they were 8, 9, 10 years old. They've been going to Nationals in Virginia Beach, you know, Orlando, things like that. They all know each other. They all hang out in the dorms at the camps and stuff at night. And so they've, they've built relationships with everybody. I mean, you know, Quentin knows all, probably every, every one of the top 50, top 60 kids. So, I mean, LaRon going there was great. I mean, because Coach Grove, Coach Grove he's going he's gonna to have a strong program there. He's building a strong program. And uh, Leron going there was great because you know then you know you got another big time player going with you and you feel like you're on the you know you're going to be on the verge of building something big. So Leron's may have had something to do with it. Cliff's really didn't do it because we don't we never, nobody ever knew what Cliff was going to do. Tell me uh, real quick. Explain to the people out there. Everyone, all the fans have a like a a very basic surface level perspective of what this recruiting thing's like. What has been maybe the biggest surprises to you at going through the entire process or what what would you talk if you had a fan out there who has a young kid who they think has a chance of getting recruited what kind of advice would you give them one don't let them commit when they're 15 that'd be the first thing and go through the process first um i think when you commit when you're young you look you look at the three guys the three first kids to commit in the 2014 class were quentin trey lyles and james blackman (laughs) And they, and they all backed out of the commitment and went through the process to a certain extent. So I think, I think when you commit young and you start seeing all your friends go through this process, taking these visits and stuff, I think it definitely makes you want to go through it too. You're like, man, I gave this up. You know, maybe I should go through the process and make sure I'm making the best decision myself. The second thing I realized, on the coach's end of it, it's more of a business. And on the players' end of it, it's trying to find the right fit. And, that, you know, those, those three things are what I realized the most going through the process. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the truth. I mean, to a coach, it could be, you know, it makes a difference between them having a job and not having a job. Exactly. It's their livelihood. And I think that when I when I was involved, um, even as in sports medicine, what I, what I saw was that the kids are there. They look, it's it becomes a lot more of a job than just going out there and playing for fun. I mean, because they kind of own you in some ways. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, they're paying for your education. They expect for basketball to kind of come first, you know, so. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I know Quentin's freshman year. He's gonna spend most of his time studying, doing individual workouts, lifting weights, and and you know, learning how to play. So, I mean, you're probably out of 24 hours. You're probably gonna spend your 15, 16 hours a day doing homework and basketball. Which I mean, I mean, if you know, if you want to try to make it to the next level, that's how, that's how it should be anyway. Yeah, you have to. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, Scott, I uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us that insight. I think it was a great interview, and I'm I'm really excited to have Quentin. Uh, back in town and staying here so where we can watch him really close. And you've got a great kid there that I've really gotten to enjoy getting to know, and I've uh, enjoyed getting to know you as well. And hopefully we'll have you uh, playing in the Derby Classic in the spring. So we will. Definitely. Uh, all right, man. There's our first online commitment, hopefully. So. <laughs> all right. We will, uh, we will talk to you later, and uh, thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, guys. See you all later. Thank all you. Right. All right. Uh, Scott uh, Snyder there with uh, Quentin Snyder's father talking about the roller coaster ride that was – uh, his recruitment, uh, some definitely some interesting things. They reached out to Louisville. Quentin had a change of heart. Louisville it, didn't reach yeah. out to them. It, that, that, uh, I know when that all went down, people kind of were bad-mouthing Louisville. So it, it's interesting to see how that works out. That That's the behind-the-scenes stuff. That's all interesting to me anyway. Ever since the movie He Got Game came mm-hmm. out, I've been interested in, in the recruiting process and everything. So Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's very interesting you got, and you have two different seasons i mean you have the obviously the the aau circuit season which these coaches can kind of come out and see all these kids at one time and then now we're getting into the meat of the actual high school right. season which a lot of people say is kind of diminished in importance but now what we're trying to see we're seeing these little mini high school factories pop up the hunting preps the finley preps exactly the, yeah the, it's not just oak hill anymore you know you have a lot of these basketball type factories popping up Monverde down in Florida, and uh, you know, we're going around and seeing these uh, teams showcase at all these different classics. We got one coming up here really soon locally, the Marshall County Hoop Fest, which is always phenomenal. The King of the Bluegrass here, which is you know not the same as what it used to be, but it's still right. a very good event. Uh, I go to a event every year in Massachusetts, the the Hoop Hall Classic in Springfield, and uh, where you always have uh, it's it's always televised by ESPN, and they've always got some of the best teams in the country. And you know, you're actually starting to get to. And there's just there's a different feel with a high school game as opposed to an AU team. They actually play defense first off, and they actually yeah, you're not pumping out four or five games a day, right? Um, just more individual stuff. So, and the high school is more team oriented. There's so. game planning involved. Exactly, and you get yeah. to understand their basketball IQ, I guess, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, um, just love the feel of it. But uh, the the process is. Um, really kind of interesting. You know, I, I find it interesting how much the shoe companies are involved with the kids making their decision. Um, I think that's... A lot of people aren't aware of that. But yeah. Exactly, yeah. I, when the, the top elite kids, you know, the top 20 or whatever, I mean, the shoe companies are, are having a say most of the time in where that kid's going. Right. So, uh, And it's really uh, in the way that they kind of just have taken over that summer AAU circuit and are able to build these relationships. And, I mean, you'll go to a, 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 an event, and I'm just going to throw Adidas out there, not that 
because it, I know it does happen there, but Adidas comes out and and they have an Adidas special uh, a sponsor team and they'll come out with a different pair of shoes every day. And I mean, it's just, you know, the way they just can kind of uh, pile on these kids and make build that relationship and, you know, and give them things legally or, you know, I'm sure there's some illegal stuff going on, but the legal stuff they can give them is still just incredible. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So, all right, we are going to uh, be wrapping up our first hour here. Uh, I just want to real quick, if you can't listen to us live, be sure to log on to the 1450 The Sports Buzz and click on Podcasts and listen to every show in 1450's local lineup, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 1450 The Sports Buzz podcasts are hosted exclusively with LiveSportsCaster.com. They're the number one local provider for live streaming, a sporting events, and the best place to start your own sports podcast. It's 100% free and a great way to begin your career in broadcasting. And uh, we are going to have a little change of schedule. We're supposed to have Evan come on at 10 a.m., but he is uh, texting me and asked to be pushed back to 10.30. So we will uh, bring Evan on at 10.30 to continue our recruiting talk. We'll be back on the other side. I think we need to kind of touch a little bit on the day of college football. And uh, we will be right back on the weekend sports bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. That is one of my all-time favorite songs. I gotta admit, I know it shows uh, how old I am, I guess, going back to the uh, early 90s rap. But uh, I gotta love the old Ice Cube song right there. That is definitely one of my jams. So, uh, got a little recruiting talk in, but we need to kind of turn our focus into the day of college football. Uh, it's been real interesting to me to see that this has really been the first year where, across the board, college basketball has been really smart about staying away from Saturdays uh, in November where meaningful college football takes place. Although, today is not a great day <laughs> of college football. So, I mean, it's not a bad day of college football, but there's, you know, we got a, a big game here with Louisville and Houston, which has a... Uh, implications uh I, I still think louisville could lose today and still go to the russell athletic bowl even though they'd be third in the rankings um that's just probably a better fit for them but the louisville uh, going against houston for the second place in the aac we were talking a little bit about the break it's kind of been a disappointing football season across around here yeah for all three schools uh, in, indiana's got an unbelievable offense 52 touchdowns or something like that scored already, which is Kentucky would just – Kentucky hadn't uh, even scored 52 points. Well, so. They probably haven't had 52 <laughs> touchdowns in the last three years combined. <laughs> uh, so it's it's definitely been a, a – but we were expecting Indiana to come out with their great offense and hopefully have a serviceable defense, which has not happened. And, prob, you know, they they looked like they were solid for seven wins. And it just not has I, yeah. not happened. Yeah, the, the truth, I don't know if you're listening um, – I don't know what happened with with Indiana football this year, but but yeah, Louisville also the national title hopes, Heisman candidate, neither of those. So um, and Kentucky wanted to kick off the Stoops era with a bang, and two and seven right now, a chance to win today, maybe their last solid chance of a victory this season um, at Vandy. Unlikely last year was the the dooming forty and zero. Probably the low point in a decade for Kentucky football. Yeah, it, it just you know, in Kentucky, even though they're two and ten, might have the most optimism in the program. 
Yeah, I mean, they might because the recruits they're getting. Um, Drew Barker finished his high school career last night, um, and he's going to be enrolling early to start working out and everything to, to hopefully win the job next year. So I think the, the attitude that Stoops has instilled on the guys and the recruits we have coming in kind of lead to that. So even though they've done the worst of the three schools this year, uh, optimism is they're not hit as hard as the other two, I don't, I don't feel like at least. And it's going to be real interesting to me to see uh, what kind of turnout Louisville has today at uh, Papa John's Cardinal Stadium against a good opponent. Even they're not playing for what they thought they would be playing for at the end of the year. You've only got two more home games to see Devontae Parker and Teddy Bridgewater, more than likely, and you're going to have a beautiful night. I mean, it's going to be warm. It's gonna. It's the bad weather doesn't get here until the morning. Charlie Strong needs to offer to buy the first twenty five hundred beers. I think. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you would think that they should have a good turnout tonight. Uh, but we have seen basketball kind of take over here a little bit, and football is not even really being talked about that much in the media, or even with the even with the one loss, more than likely eleven and one. Louisville football team who's going to go to a good bowl game against a ACC opponent. It's it's kind of on the back burner now. I agree. If I if I was a Louisville fan and I enjoy um, Louisville football, I, I do. Um, I'm not one of those Kentucky fans that just hates all things that are Louisville. But the ACC game, I, I would be interested in that. Once the national title talk was gone, the ACC, I think that's the best case scenario for them. It's kind of a preview for what what you have to come. So. I don't know why Louisville fans aren't more excited for that. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's not the bowl game they wanted, obviously, but it's still it's right. going to be a good bowl game. It's going to it's something we've been talking about the last three weeks here since the loss of Central Florida. It is a great situation for Louisville to be in and go up against an, uh, like a welcoming to the ACC kind of bowl game. Uh, Make a go statement. Up, go up yeah. against one of those powers, and they're going to probably get a Virginia Tech or Miami team uh, that they can definitely compete with. Sure, uh, and go in with some momentum into next year. So um, it's going to be interesting to me to see what's going on across the country. We uh, it's not a great slate of games, especially not a great slate of games early. But uh, you do have some uh, bigger matchups. You got a big matchup in the SEC today, three thirty game on CBS, Georgia and Auburn, oh. uh, which was probably to me the highlight game of the entire day, game of the entire day. You know, Georgia hopefully getting a little bit healthier. Uh, they've had a, just a train wreck of a year for what they've been expecting. Exactly. Yeah, they were top. What are they? Top four team? Oh, yeah. Top three, maybe. Yeah. And if they don't get the hurt, off. if they don't have all the injury problems, I think they're probably still there. Exactly. I, I agree with that too. Um, the and then Auburn with Gus Malzahn has been the surprise of the SEC. Agree. I I didn't realize that they were as high as seven now. Yeah, seventh ranked Auburn, nine and one, trying to stay undefeated so they can go up against that huge end of the year matchup and the Iron Bowl against Alabama. Uh, and they got to feel pretty strong about that. Auburn is a three-point favorite in this ball game, um, and again, just a great job that Gus Malzahn has done uh, for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, he really has done a great job. It's going to be very interesting to see again if uh, Aaron Murray can. Uh, there, there's another guy I kind of feel bad for. Aaron Murray, great college career, kind of going out with a little bit of a thud, um, and will quietly be, go down in the rankings as one of the better SEC quarterbacks to ever play statistically. Uh, yeah, just the kind of the things that have happened around him that completely out of his control. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I feel for I feel for him as well. 
Um, and then we've got the uh, the big game in the Big 12 is Oklahoma State and Texas. Right. That- um, and then they got another uh, fairly big matchup with, uh, with number five Baylor and Texas Tech uh, going at it. We were talking a little bit last week about how Baylor uh, doesn't have RG3 there, obviously, anymore. And they started out outside the top 25. They've had this great undefeated run where they're putting up video game numbers, <laughs> and they've worked themselves up to a number five in the country. The question that I think a lot of us have is, can they jump Ohio State in the rankings? And the reason why I think I say yes, and Baylor, by the way, is still behind a one-loss Stanford team who's ranked fourth uh, in the BCS, the one reason why I say yes is because of who you see that Ohio State has to play in the year and who Baylor has to play. If Baylor remains, what are those schedules? If Baylor remains undefeated, I was pulling it up right now. They've still got to play. Obviously, today's game uh, against Texas Tech, who's uh, a quality team, seven and three. Mm-hmm. I think something around there. Oklahoma State, who's ranked twelfth. TCU and Oklahoma State and TCU are on the road, and they finish with a home game against the twenty-fourth ranked Texas Longhorns. So they still have two top twenty-five opponents on their schedule and two solid programs with Texas Tech and TCU. On the other hand, you have the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, who I am not going to lie and tell you that I'm I'm not the biggest fan of, actually. I'm with you on that, too. I just don't know why, but they just totally, they rubbed me the wrong way. I have no reason to not like Ohio State. I just, but they seem entitled to a lot of things. And I guess it's probably the same argument that, uh, Louisville fans have with Kentucky basketball. Fans. I've had several people tell me that, but over the and years. I just don't understand. You know, uh, but anyway, I digress. They play. Uh, they have three games left. They play at Illinois uh, today, uh, which is not a juggernaut. They play against Indiana, and Indiana has to beat either Wisconsin or Ohio State to even have a chance of being bowl eligible. So not happening. Probably not going to happen. Home that's in Columbus, and then they uh, they finish the year against an underperforming Michigan team, who's not ranked anymore. And uh, I mean, so and then if, they'll have that Big Twelve title game, I guess, against Michigan State, who can not score but is unbelievably best defense. Yeah. I mean, unreal defense. So you're you're if Baylor wins out, then you think that they'll f- if if the top five teams win out, so it'll be Alabama, Florida State, and then you think you're hoping Baylor will be number three. I think Baylor ends up being number three. Okay, o- over. But then OSU they got and Stanford. And Stanford. Now I think Stanford's tough, man. I, I think they're a really good team. They had that hiccup. Who did they lose to? Utah or something like that? Stanford um, lost. To, they lost early on. I thought it was like Arizona State. Let me see. It, it could be. Stanford's loss was to Utah. You were right. Saturday, okay. October 12th. Yeah, they, they tried to do some stuff like get cute offensively and, and throw the ball more than they used to. If they just play their, their typical physical football, I think that they're top three. Their last three games. They've are had the loss though, so that that Utah loss is going to kill them. Well, yeah, obviously that keeps them out of even like a national title contention or anything like that. Although I would really like to see if Florida State or Alabama loses, and that last, I would love to see one loss. Stanford jump undefeated Ohio State. That would just make my, <laughs> that would just make my day. Uh, anyway, um, but they finish up with USC uh, at USC, and then they got two home games against Cal and against Notre Dame. Uh, that's the end of their schedule. No one has the schedule, I think, that Baylor has. I think it's unlikely for Baylor to end up going undefeated. Uh, but I think if they do, I think they, you have to give them a serious contention that they should be number three. 
What's uh, going on with their coach down there? I mean, he's had unbelievable success. Is he getting looked at, I wonder, for any – I don't know that there's going to be any major openings. That I guess the USC, depending on what happens at Texas, Florida even maybe. But, I mean, he, he's been killing it the last couple of years down there, and I, I haven't heard enough about him now you would as think, much as you would think, yeah. You would think that you hear a lot more about them, especially since they've – I mean, Texas is definitely not the premier football program down there anymore. Right. Texas A&M is kind of hot and cold, I guess. I mean, But Baylor could take reins of the state of Texas. And, Which is huge. And from a Unheard financial of, yeah. standpoint, you had to say, if you're Baylor, I'm going to do whatever it's going to take to keep you here because right. that's a lot of money. I mean, you can control <laughs> yeah. Texas football. That's a ton of money. And so um, it's – uh, it it will be interesting to see if he's on the move. Um, I think US, the USC job is kind of a death trap right now. Um, I don't know what ends, up, but you all, I think they have to keep on looking at Coach Orjan, who's three and one since taking over the helms at USC. And if he's able to even be respectable tonight, I think against Stanford, I mean, I think he's got to have a good shot at at, at that job uh, at USC. And I don't, who knows what ends up shaking up. And the only job that you know is going to be open. I would think that most people think is going to be Texas. And if Mac Brown's gone, would you not think that Texas is going to go right to Baylor and say, hey, why don't you come over and uh, why wouldn't put they? on those orange? We can, we can give you six. Proven success in the state of Texas. I mean, we know who they're going after first and foremost, but but I guess if the Saban – I don't know that – oh, yeah, they're going to go after Saban first. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably uh, – they're going to throw whatever they can throw at them. Um and to me, that's an interesting dynamic, too. It's like you throw money at Saban. Saban's done pretty much everything he can do at Alabama. Right. He's going to get you know statues and stuff and all that kind of stuff. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Does, the, does he go to the NFL next and try because he failed there and that's where he wants to try to make his next step? Or does he just say, hey, I'm a great college football coach. I can go rebuild this national powerhouse. If you ask five people this question, you'll get five different answers. I mean, nobody knows. I've heard that he's he's going to finish out at Alabama for a couple more years, walk away, and then maybe give it a couple years and take a crack at the NFL. I've heard he's going to go right to the NFL. I've heard he's going to go to Texas. I mean, nobody knows until he's he has a – Does he get bored like the Alabama student th- section? You know, I don't know. <laughs> that, the student section thing is kind of an epidemic sweeping the nation. Yeah, right it's now. happening in Kentucky basketball too. So. I know. But I mean, I, I I could see where you get. Yeah, I mean, you, it's hard to say. You're winning national title championships all all freaking over the place, and you know I could say if he won this year and he has three out of the last four years, I could see where you're like, eh, yeah, I can go do something else. What else? Yeah, I I can too. I mean, I can see any one of the things, any one of the possibilities would make sense to me. Um, you I kind of I've heard someone make the argument. He has the best job in all of sports right now. He gets any recruit he wants, championship after championship. I mean, he, he's got the best job in sports, All more money than he could ever spend. Do you leave the best job in sports? I mean, if you even agree with that, I don't know. But I think Cal's got the best job in sports. But a little partial. But, but Yeah, a little partial. <laughs> I mean, Cal wants to do what Saban's doing. I mean, it, Exactly, he, yeah. He's pretty much getting every recruit he wants. Although this year it's not been that way, Cal's setting up to do every other year. It kind of seems like right to where exactly, yeah. And Saban is doing it every year. Yeah, I mean, if he wins it this year, that'd be four out of the last five championships he's won. And I, and you know, I, Texas can pay you though as much as they want. 
They can. Uh, Texas can pay more than Alabama can. Well, so it's just uh, – that'll be very interesting to see kind of how it shakes out. Um, but we are going to take our first break of the first hour. We will be right back uh, on the Weekend Sports Buzz, leading up to our interview with Evan Daniels at 1030. This is Mike. I'm with Adam. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, welcome back to Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Andolfo here with Adam Bird. Uh, 1450, the Sports Buzz is excited to be the official radio home of IU Southeast Athletics. Join Matt Dennison for a weekly Grenadier Sports Report every Monday night at 7, live at Tucker's American Favorites on State Street in New Albany for interviews with the school's coaches and athletes, including men's basketball team and head coach Wiley Brown. 1450 WXVW is proud to be your leader in local sports. A couple other local things kind of going on real quick. I am very excited tonight is the uh, opening of Bellarmine Knights basketball in Knights Hall. They take on uh, Marion College out of uh, Indianapolis, and uh, who is coached by Todd Licklider, the former ba- uh, the former Butler coach. And uh, did he go to Iowa after that maybe? Yeah. 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 So uh, it should be kind of interesting. Scott Davenport versus Todd Licklider tonight. Knights Hall, 8 o'clock. Uh, should be great. Bellarmine's going to another top four nationally ranked team, and they've got just uh, – they're going to be loaded, and then they're getting more help at the semester break when they get transferred. Donnie Hale from Purdue, who played 14 minutes a game at Purdue, transferring into Bellman at semester break, which is going to be 6-9. It's going to be a huge get for them. So very excited for Knights basketball. If you love basketball, which most of us do in this state, I highly recommend going out and seeing the Bellman Knights play at least once because it is such a great, enjoyable experience because they play fast-paced, fundamental, great basketball. And uh, so get out there if you can. Uh, also on the basketball front, we were talking a little bit about um, during the break. If you want to see the Huntington Prep high school basketball team, they are in Kentucky today and tomorrow. Um, Huntington Prep, if you all don't know, uh, Montague Gill Caesar, who is uh, a junior right now, but is thinking about reclassifying uh, to become a senior, is at Huntington Prep. Uh, I know Coach Cal and Coach Antigua will be out there watching him play. Um, tonight in Hazard, and tomorrow they played in Frankfurt. The f- game of Frankfurt tomorrow for our listeners who, you know, because I would assume that would be the one that our listeners would go to, I believe starts at 2 o'clock. But uh, the team has uh, Gil Caesar, Josh Perkins, who was somewhat of a Kentucky target at one time, is going mm-hmm. to Gonzaga, Jaquan Lyle, who obviously was uh, committed to Louisville's. He's one of the few that are wide open right now, but it's looking like he's probably going to end up in Indiana. Uh, Angel Delgado, who uh, was a Louisville target for a while and somewhat of a Cal target. Uh, I believe he played maybe for Coach Antigua's the brother. The Dominican team? Yeah, and he definitely played for the Dominican he, team. He did, yeah. But he, I think he played high school basketball for Coach Antigua's brother. Uh, but I'm not positive about that. I, I, I think that they brought him on. Where did he go, Seton Hall? Is that, He's going to Seton Hall. I yeah. think that they brought him onto the staff there. Yeah. Uh, and then Jalen Lindsay, who's going to Providence. That's another really strong team for Huntington Prep, uh, as they always will be, of course. Uh, for you, people who don't know how how Huntington Prep and Finley Prep work, there's no school actually called Huntington Prep or Finley Prep. They play for this basketball team, but they go to a different school. So, like the kids at Huntington Prep end up going to St. Joe's Catholic, 
and and West Virginia. They live in dorms and, and things like that. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, it's it's not. They had to loosely be connected with the school, so I guess that's why they have to change their name. Uh, and other kind of, and I won't talk about this long because I don't want people to turn off their dials, but it's important to me. Uh, we actually have two local interests in the Division Three uh, field hockey tournament that's happening today. The Sweet Sixteen is today. Center College is playing uh, in about a half hour. They're playing against the fourth-ranked uh, Christopher Newman. And then my sister-in-law, who uh, played at Center College, but now is the head coach at DePaul University up in Greencastle, Indiana, who took her uh, DePaul Tigers to the Final Four last year in field hockey. They play at uh, 2 o'clock um, and are looking to get back to the Final Four. So good luck to the DePaul Tigers and my sister-in-law, Gina Preston-Wills, in the field hockey tournament today. So I'm real excited about that as well. Uh, but we're in college basketball season. and Thank what, God. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything's kind of talking, starting to take a little bit of a back seat. And we've now seen a full week of the top teams. And to me, it really looks like we've got six teams that are kind of heads and tails above everyone else. Mm-hmm. But then we've got another group of about four teams that are knocking on that door of getting into that next epsilon. So who's impressed you, I guess, to begin the basketball season? I was most impressed, hands down, um, with Kansas. Yes. Their athleticism, their long athletic. I had no idea they were going to have as many weapons as they have. But, I mean, their top five pick next year doesn't even start for them. Joel Embiid, yeah. he, he's a project, and his upside is arguably better than anyone in college basketball right now, You know, with the exception of the, the big three, the Parker, Wiggins, and Randall. But – but their length, um, I was worried about them at the point guard spot, but it seems like they kind of have a two- or three-headed monster there where any given game, one of them is going to be playing well. Well, they got the Thorpe kid who played, or Tharp or whatever, who played last year. Right. But, and then the Connor Frankham kid who played in the Derby Classic, who I just love. Yeah. And uh, I, I think a lot of people forget on the Mason Kansas, or something. Yeah, Mason. Sorry. Yeah. But I think a lot of people on the Kansas team, the guy who's kind of forgotten in that recruiting class is Wayne Selden. I know, exactly, yeah. And he, I mean, he's projected a one-and-done lottery pick now so well if you all remember when he was a sophomore he uh, played with Nerlens Noel wasn't until, same team? right yeah. I mean that was one of the, the top gets for Cal so uh I mean that was one of the main targets for Cal he reclassified and then he, he reclassified and ended up going to Kansas so we went with the Harrison twins and uh, yeah he, we would have had him next year or, or Cal would have made him a priority now we got a guy on the line who wants to talk about the impressive one-point victory for IU over <laughs> Long Island Brooklyn the comeback victory that had to happen Truth, what's going on, my man? What's up, man? A win is a win, and I got a young team, but let, what about last night? They looked good. Let's get it right. Let's get it right now. <laughs> what happened last night, Truth? We won by, by 40 or 50 points. And I'll tell you who's, uh, what was impressive. That dunk by Hannah Pereira there was uh, pretty nasty in that game. Made the ESPN I- top ten. Well, I try to tell people Indiana team is more athletic than it was last year, and Troy Wim is making us forget about Victor Oladipo. Man, that guy, can he jump? He can, man. I mean, he was so impressive when he played in our game and just can get to the rim and is athletic. He's, he, he's very shifty and just uh, he's smooth. Yeah. He's very smooth. Yeah, really nice only, player. Only, only, only scratch I have about him but when he comes down on a fast break, he wants everything to be highlight, and that Tom Crean going to have to get that out of him. He will. You know, they still think they're playing high school. <coughs> Excuse. 
But I want to give a shout out to Louisville Cardinals for slotting, uh, uh, what's the boy's name from Ballard? Quinn he, Snyder. Uh, he sat, uh, Quinn Snyder. We just talked to his dad. That's good that he went to U of L. I'm, I'm glad that he went to Universal Louisville. He belonged when the Cardinal jersey. Yeah, it worked out good for him. I think it's uh, definitely a good fit for them. And, uh, you know, I agree. I, I think it's where he needs to be. And I think, uh, and I agree with your point earlier. Your, your Indian and Hoosiers are young right now, but I, they're going to be pretty tough at the end of the year when they start really kind of coming together. I'll tell you, son, uh, if we can keep, uh, if we can, uh, you know, we're going to lose Sheehy, if we can keep uh, Noah not going to the. NBA draft lookout next year, my God. Right now, Indiana need to go get another big man. Yeah, well, do you, um, and what about, do you think they're going to end up landing Jaquan Lyle? I don't know what's up, man. I don't know what what's up with Jaquan. I don't, man. <laughs> do y'all? Well, I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's, uh, you know, I would say there's a 60, 66% chance that he ends up in Indiana next year. For real? Yeah. I, I, I don't <laughs> Happy Saturday, Truth. Did that make your morning? Uh, uh, well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's a pretty uh, good chance that that's where he ends up. I mean, his other – you basically got to beat out West Virginia and you've got to beat out Kansas. And that's uh, probably the two uh, – and Kansas hasn't even offered him yet. So uh, I think that's – you know, I think there's Connecticut's in there a little bit, but uh, I think Indiana's probably got the best shot. I like the big guy out of Oklahoma, the big uh, big six ten guy. He's I think he's down to Duke, and uh, I think his name Good Luck, Good Luck, or something like no, that. No, Good Luck's committed already to UNLV. Okay, so I didn't know that. Yeah, now that you got his so, teammate though, his high school teammate did sign with you guys, Max Hotzel, who's like a six ten power forward, but he's not really that really that well ranked. He's you know kind of more of an unknown. He committed to Indiana. He he signed with Indiana. Yep. When. Uh, well, let's see. The signing day was yesterday. Week, yeah. See, I didn't know about that. Well, this Truth, is why where you, have you been? You have to call in and get your information, Truth. I mean, this is That's what's good. all about. Well, see, so, you know, I've been, I've been, have to work so much. And he's 16. He's 16. He actually has not signed his letter of intent yet, but he has committed. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, well I'll tell you what, uh, as long as Kentucky Wildcats play Indiana next year, I'll be happy. <laughs> well, you guys have to, you know, give and take a little bit. But I don't know. If the, I really don't know if that rivalry is coming back anytime soon. It's really kind of sad because they need to be playing each other. What about what about football? What about football? We can't forget about the football. Well, I know. Are you disappointed? We talked about this earlier. Are you disappointed on your football season? No. Oh, let me tell you something. It's been. There's no question about it that Indiana should be playing in a ball game because. You look at Minnesota game. You can't give games like that away. Nope. You got to win two more. Truth. You got to get there. So it's going to be tough. Fifty-two touchdowns. Pretty impressive. Truth. We got to let you go because we got a guest that we got coming on the air here pretty soon. We're going to talk some more basketball cream with Evan Daniels. So make sure you stay tuned in. Anything you want us to ask right, Evan? Brother. Truth. So what? What do you want us to ask Evan? I I can't hear you. My phone breaking up. Anything you want us to ask Evan about recruiting? Yes, tell, ask him, tell him, make sure we get uh, Jaquan. Let's who, I'm going after Jaquan. Now. All right, Jaquan, you got that. it. We'll ask him about it. All right. Thanks, Truth. All right, so uh, let me see. Do we have Evan on the line? Oh, we're going to be getting him on the line here in just a second. So the interview with Evan Daniels coming up, talk a little bit more about the basketball recruiting. But uh, we were talking about how impressive Kansas looked. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I agree. I mean, I, people don't understand that this was just not Andrew Wiggins. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was expecting. I knew that they had lost so much and then won the Andrew Wiggins sweepstakes. I had no idea that they were as loaded as they are. And they pulled in six quality players. And any other year, they have got the number one recruiting class in the country. Easy. But Kentucky just ended up having three guys who were ranked number one in their position and uh, this unreal class, too. Uh, I was a little concerned that Kansas was a little bit further ahead than Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I thought they were. I, I did too. And, uh, but I think that has something to do with having a returning point guard, even though he's a serviceable point guard, and having Perry Ellis, a guy like Perry Ellis, back. Um, that's right. probably a huge uh, part of them. So I think we're uh, getting Evan on the line here right now. Are we ready to go to Evan? Matt, we good to go to Evan? Okay, Evan, right. Evan are you on the line? I am. What's up, my man? Hey, man, how you doing? Thanks for coming on this morning. I know that it's been a crazy week for you. Um, but we were kind of talking a little bit before the before the sh- or at the beginning of the show that this is kind of a strange recruiting year. Uh, do you remember ever really having so many kids commit and decommit, and then of course having them recommit to the school they decommitted from hardly ever happens. Yeah, that hardly ever happens. And I have two in one class, especially two high caliber kids. It's, it's pretty rare. I mean, and we we've seen it happen before, uh, but it's not a. Uh, such stuff that happens all the time. It's definitely been an interesting class. These, uh, these guys have kept us guessing for the most part, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and uh, let's, let's just go through real quick, school by school, for the three schools here locally. Let's start with uh, Kentucky, who uh, ends up, you came out with your team rankings, second-ranked recruiting class in the country. Four guys, but it really kind of uh, is not the typical Cal recruiting class, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's... I think that's tough to say, Mike. I mean, they still have a great group, man. It's, I mean, you got the number eight player in the country, number eleven player in the country, number twenty nine, and number thirty one. That's that's still impressive. No, it's very um, impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's just not where it was. Though so it's not. Right. Yeah. I don't. I just think it's. I, I don't think it's fair to look at it that way. I mean, it's still a great class. Uh, I mean, Trey Lyles is a uh, a really good power forward. He's our number one power forward in the country. Terrific score from that position, um, going to be very productive. Carl Towns, the guy that at 6'11", he's got this long set of arms, really good hands and touch, can step out and shoot threes. Uh, he's got good experience playing with the Dominican national team. And, and what I like is what they've done in this class with Tyler Ulis and Devin Booker. Those are two probably multi-year to four-year guys uh, that can make an immediate impact. Those are immediate impact players, but they're going to be around for, for quite a bit. Um, Devin Booker's a really good shooter. Tyler Ulis is a setup guy. Um, I actually I, I like what they've done with this class, and they're not done. They're probably going to grab one or two more. Um, you know, it's not it doesn't have the uh, the top three players that that maybe Kentucky fans are used to, but still a good group. Like, yeah, no, and, and I, I agree with that. Uh, but the uh, let's talk what you just said. You know, because Cal came out and said, "Hey, they're not done. They want to grab another two guys." Six of your top hundred guys are left on the board, and yeah, and they really they have I guess the best shot maybe with Miles, but they're really not in on any of those guys. Well, there's really only four left because Justice Winslow and Thomas Welsh are going to announce in the next couple days. Okay, right. um, and my take is, is: do they have a need for Miles Turner? Well, let's be honest. No, After they what don't. I've seen, I, w- I would imagine that Dakari Johnson and Marcus Lee are coming back. You've got Carl Towns and Trey Lyles. I don't see a need for Miles Turner. I, 
to be honest with you, I'd be pretty surprised if Miles Turner chose Kentucky from depth factor alone. Yeah, we talked about um, that at the beginning of the show too. They need to get they need guards. I mean, they need perimeter players. So and a wing guy. Yeah. Where where do those perimeter guys come from? Is it is it Gil Caesar? You know, reclassifying or who who else well, is I mean, out there I'm, on the I'm radar? Sure that they, I'm sure that they want and are going to actively pursue. I know they're actively pursuing Gil Caesar, a 2014 kid. Now, he hasn't reclassified yet, but he could. It's a possibility. He said he'll make that decision down the road. Um, outside of that, I'm not sure. You know, in the spring, there's always guys that come available yes. uh, with coaching changes and stuff like that. So they're going to have to be patient and, uh, and see what happens. All right, and then let's go to let's go to Louisville. Louisville has a, a, a good class coming in too. They get the uh, surprise, I guess. We had Scott Snyder on earlier talking about how they actually were the ones who initiated the conversation and reopened with Louisville uh, right before the signing day. Uh, getting Quinn Snyder's huge for them, but uh, they also got some other high quality big guys coming in. You know, Coach Patino kind of guys with Anoku and uh, and uh, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I mean, uh, Quinn Snyder was actually on the cake. They had a top-ten class without him, uh, up to, I believe, seven now. Uh, you know, Quinn Snyder's our number 32 overall player in the country. Uh, really skilled, poised, uh, good passer, a very good shot maker from mid-range and three. He's a four-year point guard that's going to be extremely productive, and I-, I predict that he'll have a really, really good college career. Uh, I would imagine that he will probably start for three years at Louisville. I don't know if he'll start his first year probably back up Chris Jones, uh, learn a little, and start for three years would be my guess. Uh, but outside of him, you got a, a really good scorer in Shaquan Aaron. He's our number 34 overall prospect. Um, and then two quality big men. I, I think Jalen Johnson has a really nice upside. He's young for his grade um, at 6'9". He has some skill and some tools to be a pr- pretty good offensive player down the road. Not quite there yet, uh, but he runs the floor well, and he's athletic, so he fits into what Rick Pitino wants to do. And then Chinanu Anawaku is a, a big, wide body that can rebound and block shots. And uh, you know, I think it's a pretty solid group for those guys. And do you think they're done? Um, they're not done. I, I think they'll probably take at least one more, maybe two. I oh. think they'd like to add a, at least one more post player to this class. And I, I would agree with that. We we were talking about that at the beginning of the show too. They they need to probably have a, another big guy. Uh, Indiana signs three, or they have three commitments. I guess the max. Hutzel kid, who I really have seen, but I don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, they get those three. They have those three recruits in the fold. Do, are they in the Jaquan Lyle uh, sweepstakes? Yeah, they are, and I think what we're going to see with Jaquan Lyle too is Kansas is about to turn it up with him uh, now that they've officially missed on Tyus Jones. Uh, but Indiana and Kansas will be two schools I'd pay heavy attention to for Jaquan Lyle. Uh, but Indiana did do a good job with this class. Uh, what they wanted to do was bring in shooters, and they accomplished that goal. Robert Johnson and James Blackman are arguably two of the best shooters in the class. You know, if I was ranking top 100 players, those, both of those guys would be probably in my top three of shooters. So, Devin Booker? Um, yeah, I mean, Devin Booker definitely in the conversation. Kelly Oubre in the conversation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those four guys right there, you know, that's as good as you get from the shooting department. Um, but uh, Robert Johnson and James Blackman are both going to be productive guys. Both have some skill and, you know, I wouldn't necessarily classify James as a combo, but he's getting there. Uh, Robert is definitely a combo, and I think he'll definitely see some time backing up Yogi at the point guard spot when he's not playing the two. And uh, Max Heitzel is a uh, stretch four-man. was a little surprised that he ended up in Indiana, um, but with that said, he, he can't really shoot the basketball and stretch the floor with his jump shot. Well, there you go. 
All right. So, who was your, what was your biggest surprise? I guess of the last week, and uh, you know, I know you you have a good finger on the pole, so you pretty much know everything's going to kind of happen. But was there any kind of big surprise <laughs> that kind of happened? I mean, the Quentin Snyder deal was a big surprise. Yeah. Um, I you know, looking back, it's not necessarily a shock, but it's a, it's certainly a surprise. It shook up the recruiting world. I know. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Quentin grew up a Louisville fan. He grew up in Louisville. Uh, you know, if you know know their family and have watched Quentin quite a bit, you know that, that his parents are very supportive of him and don't miss uh, his games. I, I think I probably every Quentin game I've been to, I've seen Scott Snyder there. So, you know, I, I think playing in front of his family played into it as well. But, yeah, I, I'll probably classify that as the biggest surprise of the signing period. The biggest surprise of the class is probably Kevon Looney. I don't think anybody was guessing he'd go to UCLA. Yeah, which was the biggest uh, probably get for uh, for Coach Alford. I mean, he looked like he was really close on a lot of guys, and uh, I know he's not done because some of your top hundred guys that are still left. I know he's probably the favorite for uh, for one of the was it Walsh? Yeah, I think they're they're in really good shape with Thomas Welsh. Um, Welsh, yes, and they're also involved with Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow. Okay, so uh, and and you said Winslow and it's going to be announcing really soon. Who was the other one that's going to be announcing really soon? Thomas Welsh. Okay, those two guys. Okay. Uh, yep. So we'll see, I guess, if they become UCLA Bruins. And, of course, with Alford's connection here, there's a little bit of a look here. But he kind of missed out on one of the local guys here. He had a commitment from uh, from a guy that a lot of people don't know about, but a really nice player, Trevon Blewett, who ended up going to Xavier. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did have a commitment from him. He backed off, committed to Xavier. They were also pretty close on Quentin Snyder when he opened things up. Uh, ended up committed to Illinois at that time. Yeah, uh, Scott talked to you and said he was down to Illinois and Xavier, or Illinois and UCLA. And, uh, but Xavier has quietly put together a really solid group. Um, yeah, I mean, that's no surprise, man. Chris Mack knows how to recruit. He's got a really good staff. Travis Steele is a, uh, a beast in, in the state of Indiana. He, you can credit him for uh, blocking up Trevon Blewett, and that's a big-time pickup for Xavier, top 50 player, one of the best all-around pure scorers in that class. Uh, but they have more than that. I mean, they've got uh, McKendie London, who's a high upside, six-time power forward. Edmund Summers, Sumner that can really knock down shots. Uh, you know, they have a good group. Like JP McCurra, who I thought who I saw play. Yeah, J- JP is up there as one of the better shooters in the country at six-five. Pretty long set of arms, deep range, quick trigger. Uh, he, he's a, he's a good shooter too. So yeah, you're right. They have three top 100 players. Evan, um, just kind of, I know this is kind of a beating a dead horse, but Dante Exum, any new um, breaking news with him at all? No, there's nothing going on there. I, you know, he Australia um, high school ends in December, I believe. Mm-hmm. So 